Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Do you have reverence and respect for God? In other words, do you fear Him as God demands that His people fear Him? One of the greatest problems today among believers is that we do not have the reverence and the respect and the fear of the Lord that we ought to have. In other words, we are too casual in regard to our relationship with God. And one of the reasons for this is this. We do not rightly understand God's grace. There is an inherent relationship between the grace of God being extended and the cross. I think we would all agree that Yeshua being crucified and dying upon that cross through crucifixion, he died a horrendous, a torturous death. And what was the purpose of that death? So the grace of God could be offered to us. And through that gospel message, we find the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, and we can have assurance that we are indeed forgiven eternally. That's the power of God's grace. That was the outcome of Messiah's work upon the cross. But grace should not cause us to think that God is not serious about holiness and righteousness and purity. And when an individual, a believer or a non-believer, does not live under those categories, do not live according to purity, righteousness, holiness, when we are casual about that, it is highly displeasing to God. We need to be more serious of our faith. We need to take with reverence and respect our relationship with God. And when we do, it is going to change our behavior. Do you want to live a life, a behavior that is pleasing to God, that demonstrates the fear of the Lord? You ought to. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 78. The book of Psalms and Psalm 78. Now, we have already had two lessons on the 78th Psalm. It's a longer one, in total 72 verses. And now in this study, we're ready for verse 51. And there we see something God is going to demonstrate in multiple ways in this third and final section that God judges, that God has anger, that he is a wrathful God. And one of the recipients of his wrath is his people. Now, we need to make a distinction between God's anger in judging and discipline 
and God's anger in pouring out a consuming wrath. Sometimes that same word, and we'll deal with the word za'am for a moment in Hebrew, it speaks of wrath. But we need to make a distinction between God simply being angry at his people and punishing them, and sometimes punishing them severely, and God's consuming wrath that utterly destroys and ultimately casts someone outside of the presence of God in utter darkness and where there's going to be eternal torment and punishment. For those who are in a new covenant relationship, and hear that, those who are in a new covenant relationship through that gospel, we will never, ever be cast away from his presence. We will be eternally with our Lord and Savior in the very presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But that fact should not cause us to be casual or careless with our behavior we should be the people who have the greatest respect and reverence for god we should always walk in the fear of the lord as you've heard many times it is the fear of the lord that is the beginning of wisdom and wisdom is just not knowledge but it's knowledge put into action so what the scripture is telling us is this without the fear of the lord we're not going to behave in a way that can demonstrate the knowledge of god and to put into action the wisdom of god well look with me as i said to psalm 78 beginning in verse 51. now we have seen that that god has disciplined his people and not just his people but he's also brought about judgment a consuming judgment upon others those who did not have a covenantal relationship with him but notice what it says and it's going through some history of of god's covenant people the children of israel notice what it said in verse 51 and he struck all the firstborn in egypt now of course he did that at passover And we know, and I mentioned earlier, the cross, Messiah went to that cross. He was crucified on that same day, Passover day, what the New Testament calls Preparation Day, which is another name for Passover. So look again, verse 51, and he struck, that is God. God struck all the firstborn in Egypt. And what were the firstborn in Egypt? Well, there's a spiritual dimension to the firstborn. Notice what it says in the second part of that verse. Rishit onim, the beginning of strength. So we see, and notice how it ends, in the tense of Ham. Now, Ham, one of the sons of Noah, you can read about this connection between Egypt and Ham, where? In the book of Genesis chapter 10 and, and verse 6. So Ham, one of the sons of Noah, what do we know? That son was connected to the people who, descendants from him, that dwelt in Egypt. And Egypt is seen as strength and powerful. 
It is a worldly power, a worldly strength, a physical power. And we see that God is greater than the physical. And that's why it says it's the beginning of his strength. But God slayed, he destroyed, he judged the strength of this world, which Egypt represented. Keep reading. In this striking of Egypt, God did something. Now, in verse 52, there's a word. The first word in the Hebrew text is for traveling. It's in the hithel, which is a specific verbal construction, which is causative. So he made travel. He brought them, in other words. So he caused them to travel as a flock. What flock? The flock of his people. So God took a personal interaction with his people, the flock of his people. And it says that he led them, that is, he guided them. He led them as a flock, and this would be more like the word herd. We have earlier the word sown, which is a flock of sheep. And we have the term eder, which is more of a a herd of, of cattle. And he did that where? He led them, he guided them through the midbar, that wilderness or desert. And again, I've shared this in other studies, but this word midbar represents a place of emptiness, a place that lacks provision, one that does not sustain life. But God was able to sustain his people 40 years in that wilderness, in that midbar, that desert. Move now to verse 53. Once again, it speaks about his leadership, that he led them where? To safety. And they did not fear. There was no reason for them to fear, but here again, this is the word pachad. It's not the same word that is used for the fear of the Lord. What's the difference? Well, the fear of the Lord motivates us to submit. The fear of the Lord motivates us to behave in line with the will of God. This is Yerat HaShemayim. But the word pachad is a fear that is paralyzing, one that does not produce a proper response. It's simply fear that causes one to do nothing or to do that which is incorrect. This fear moves one away from God and his purposes. Yerat HaShemayim, the fear of God, causes one to draw closer to God for the purpose of hearing and obeying. So we always have to pay attention to the words that are used in the text. So he led them to safety and they did not fear but and a very important conjunction but their enemies what did he do well remember the context egypt he covered them of the sea referring to pharaoh and the armies of egypt pursuing pursuing they didn't fear god they didn't respect god they didn't hesitate they pursued that's that rebellious spirit they did what 
they wanted they did what seemed right in their eyes and the sea covered them up a form of judgment a form an expression of the wrath of god upon them and what did he do for his covenant people well look now to verse 54 and he brought them to his holy border now this is just not a a statement concerning the borders of israel when we look at the fact that this is hebrew poetry parallelism we see that we're talking about his border that is where the presence of god uniquely dwelt now we have to be clear about something i've made mention that one of the ways that god is spoken of in judaism is with the term hamakom which means the place now we can say in english the the omnipresence of god meaning he's everywhere and that's true but uniquely god dwelt in zion dwelt in that holy place in jerusalem in that holy of holies what's called in hebrew devir habayat kodesh kodeshim the holy of holies so even though that god is all places uniquely in a special way he was there in his sanctuary in the holy of holies and therefore it says he brought them to his holy border what are we referring to well it says harzeh this mountain and when we're speaking about this mountain we're speaking about the temple mount Zion, zion and it says he purchased it with his right hand and this right hand can also be a reference to messiah it's all speaking about worship worshiping god in his presence drawing close to him where he is revealed in this unique way one of the places that that god revealed himself in a very special way was through the incarnation through messiah's birth and through his work and therefore we read in this passage of scripture that he purchased this is a redemptive term he purchased with his right hand this mountain meaning he enabled you and me to worship him without experiencing redemption you can't this goes all the way back to to egypt we have the festival of redemption passover and what did god tell pharaoh through moses and aaron that they are going on a journey to worship god in the wilderness on that mountain and we're here we're speaking here about not mount sinai but ultimately we're talking about zion that kingdom mountain the temple mountain look on to verse verse 55 and he drove them out who's that the nations now again we're speaking about the land of israel and we all know we're studying also at this time the book of joshua and we learned that there were many peoples many canaanites of different names that were inhabiting the land of canaan so we have the exodus from egypt the destruction of pharaoh and the egyptians at yamsuf the sea of red the red sea and now we have look again 
how he drove out the nations and he caused to fall upon them meaning he gave them by by division the the regent of his inheritance now the word here for a region it's word hevel which can mean rope and it's simply a word for territory or region an allotment of land and this is what he's saying here he brought them out of egypt he sustained them in the wilderness and ultimately they came to his holy border where they inherited the land of canaan this region this territory and then it says now the second part of verse 55 and he once again it's in the hifel the causative stem which means he caused to dwell in their tents the the tribes of israel so he caused god did that that the tribes of israel would dwell in their tents now here again this is also speaking about the order of god and they were arranged around the tabernacle of god ultimately and this is also a reference to worship meaning this everything and this is a a biblical truth that's worth writing down everything that god does for his people is so that we can worship him enabling us to worship him as he desires to be worshiped so if worship is not foundational and i mean that do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together now that can be in a formal organization as a a church it can be in a home group but it's coming together at least two or three it says where two or three are gathered there i am as well so it doesn't have to be some formal meeting in the sense organized by by some group it can be a very humble meeting in a home group among a family and a few friends whatever whatever two or three are gathered in my name that is to to grow and demonstrate my character that's in my name in my character there i am also there very important that we see what god wants to do it's always leading us to a worship experience with him verse 56 but here's the problem god was faithful god is good he's always good but what did they do they tested meaning they tested god and they rebelled against god what god the most high god elohim elion they tested and they rebelled against the most high god and how did they do this we'll keep reading this rebelliousness is parallel to what well notice the last part of verse 56 where it speaks about his testimonies and what we see is this his testimonies are related it's parallel to the most high god so we experience the most high god we honor the most high god and not rebel and test him when we apply his testimonies that is his instructions his commandments to our life 
That's how we walk, not in testing and rebelliousness, but in a way that's pleasing to him. They didn't do that, it says. And his testimonies, they did not keep. And again, this word for keeping, lishmore, is related to acknowledging the value of something. So let me ask you a question. Are you acknowledging the value of God's commandments? If you are serious, if you're walking in the fear of the Lord, if you are wanting to serve God and worship Him, then His commandments are going to be foundational in your life. Now, let me just say, if that is controversial to you, if you think this is not right, then I'm going to be honest, you have some serious spiritual flaws. The commandments of God represent the character of god they express the righteousness of god and when we walk in the spirit i hope you know what verse i'm going to quote when you walk in the spirit and not in the flesh isn't that the right thing for believers we walk in the spirit not in the flesh and when we do what's the outcome well paul says in romans 8 4 that we we fulfill the righteousness of the law what's that the righteousness of god's commandments what commandments the law of moses his commandments so if if you have a disconnection from these commandments you my friend have a spiritual problem you are not hearing the truth of god and again i realize that for some of you this is going to be controversial we are not saying that someone is saved by doing the commandments never said that in fact i have a very different order you're saved by grace through faith and that salvation experience is going to give you a desire to walk in the spirit and it's going to enable us to walk in the spirit that faith so that we can fulfill the righteousness of the commandments that's going to be our character that new character that rebelliousness that testing of god is going to be of the past those past things have gone away behold all things are new and it's the commandments that that speak of righteousness that are new why well we're talking about the kingdom the new covenant is a new the new covenant is a kingdom covenant whereby that kingdom expresses righteousness the same righteousness that the law also expresses and reveals well keep reading look if you would to verse 57 god's faithful but the people they tested and rebelled and notice verse 57 what did they do they they retreated it's a word of withdrawing it's a word of fleeing moving away from they they did just that and here it's the different word i looked at verse 57 it's a word now this word means to retreat to remove oneself from and what did that bring about well it says and they betrayed they lived a treacherous a life of betraying god as their forefathers and what was the outcome of that well we're called to be a vessel of god now that term is kli 
and in essence god makes us into his weapon for spiritual warfare i hope you agree with that that's what we look and find in the scriptures we become a a weapon of god formed and fashioned by him for spiritual battle but what happened with the people they were were distorted now the word here look carefully i'm reading from verse 57 towards the end where it says nay pechu this is a word from la folk which means to turn upside down it's a word of change but a word of distortion instead of being that weapon for warfare notice what it becomes as a bow and a bow is just that a weapon for warfare but we become a deceitful weapon one that does not carry out the purposes one that does not walk in truth but in falsehood we don't want to be that way we want to be an example of the truth of god walking in the will of god fulfilling the purposes of god what we see about israel's history is that for the most time they did not reflect that tragically what did they do well look at verse 58 and they angered him in their high places what was done on high places avodazara idolatry so they angered him in their high places and with their idols they did something they caused him to be jealous now this word also related to zealous and god is jealous with a zeal which brings about punishment punishment upon who whoever behaves in this way god does not look and see a difference between those who have no covenant relationship with him and remembering i'm speaking this in the original context before the work of messiah messiah he's eternal but there was a time in history our history when messiah entered into this world he always existed but he left heaven he emptied himself he was was one who took on human flesh that is the incarnation to do a specific work of redemption we're talking before that so there's a difference between the covenant of messiah what i mentioned earlier that new covenant and the the old testament covenant through the work of moses what he revealed and so it says here that that he punished the those who had no covenant relationship the nations and he also punished israel and brought death to them but a remnant he preserved because of that covenant verse verse 59 god heard and notice this and he became angry now that word is a word that's related to wrath it's not the word that i mentioned earlier that hebrew word za'am but it's related to a very intense anger an anger that brings a response a destructive response from god so god heard and he became angry and then notice what's parallel with this word for being angry it's the word us. now the word ma'as means to loathe something 
to find great, great displeasure, something that becomes intolerable, something that is repulsive to one. This is what he speaks about people who said they were his covenant people but did not demonstrate that they belonged to him through that covenant. So it says that he loathed, that he was was repulsed by who? And it's the word me'od, greatly or very repulsed by who? Israel. Verse 60. And he abandoned the tabernacle in Shiloh. So that tabernacle of Shiloh, he left. He abandoned it. And the tent that he dwelled with man. He didn't want to dwell anymore with man and specifically Shiloh. We're talking about the children of Israel. Those who were his covenant people. He didn't want to dwell any longer with with any human being. Those who had no covenant and those who did made no difference. And here again, our redemption through the gospel is different. The old covenant gives us a way to to understand it's a paradigm it's an example but the new covenant is far superior why the old covenant it was incumbent upon us to maintain it the new covenant god maintains it and that's why it's an eternal covenant verse 61 what happened to to these people and he gave them to captivity his power that's what it says we are called to be the power of god in this world that is we receive his power so that we can demonstrate and do the work that he's called us to do what happened they went into captivity and the next word the word tiferet now you may not know that word but it's a word which means splendor something that is marvelous and he speaks about his people as his power and his splendor but what happened it says he gave going back to the first part that verb that needs to be applied to both statements he gave them into captivity gave who his power and his splendor he gave into the hand of the enemy now this is the judgment of god did he do that because he he totally ended his relationship with israel as some teach and replaced them with the church no we see the fact that god is bringing the people back to the land that there's still a covenantal and old covenant implication to the children of israel likewise we see that messiah himself is going to send his angels to gather the remnant back those who still aren't in israel the jewish people he's going to bring back himself when he returns the second time look now to verse 62 and being angry with them it says and he delivered them to the sword delivered who literally it says he delivered his people that's what it literally says to the sword and his inheritance his inheritance they were what they were delivered over to and it's that same word for wrath now is it 
and all-consuming wrath it is not but it is an intense punishment that brought about the eternal loss of some why those who did not have faith in the coming redeemer let's pause for a moment and learn an important principle and that is prior to the work of messiah when someone died whether jew or gentile they went to one of two places now everyone went to sheol that's the place for the dead jewish death gentile death makes no difference everyone went to sheol but for those who believed in abraham's covenant what is abraham's covenant that abrahamic covenant speaks about a redeemer speaks about the seed of abraham that would bring blessing so those who had faith in that promise of a redeemer yes when they died they went to Sheol, but they went to Chek abraham abraham's bosom those who did not have faith in that promise in that covenant they went to Gehinom or Gehenna or simply hell where they suffered so two places one was known as paradise Chek Avraham and the other one was known as a place of torment or hell so it says here for some because they were rebellious they were lacking faith they did not believe they were eternally lost they received the full measure of the wrath of god but some they were judged and they were brought to repentance verse 63 his young men they were devoured with fire again an example of his judgment and his young ladies this is a word for virgins those women who were called to be righteous godly pure these women what happened to them well it says they did not they did not experience praise now many say they never made it into marriage that is kind of a interpretation based upon this word it's a word for praise they did not know their own praise they didn't experience it now all of this speaks about consequences of god's judgment move on to verse 64 and his priests they fell with the sword and his his widows they did not weep meaning this there was such unrighteousness such ungodliness so far removed from where they should be that the priests they were slain with the sword these were supposed to be ones who were servants of god god didn't acknowledge them he brought them over to the sword to die and the widows his widows that normally god has a a a concern for it says they did not weep meaning the consequences of sin were not painful to them their losing wasn't something that brought sadness and it's all to show how far away his priests and the widows were from the mind of god verse 65 the lord he woke up from sleep as a mighty man that that shouts 
with the influence of wine now what it's saying here it's giving an example wine will have an influence upon someone it will cause them to to experience emotion for some it makes them very happy for others it makes them very sad but wine is going to work and produce a very very visible outcome wine is going to produce something and what it's saying here it's giving an illustration concerning god that because of israel's behavior god is going to give an emotional response and we see what that is look if you would to verse 66. now verse 66 can be interpreted two ways like to do it the standard way what god is going to do is that he is going to begin by punishing the nations hoping that this this example of god's righteous judgment will have an influence upon israel now the the image is this wine brought about a response god's judgment should bring about a response among the people look at verse 66 and he struck his enemies backwards now what that means is and here again god is simply speaking about his enemies who is that the enemies of israel or israel themselves and it says that they were placed how with the disgrace eternal disgrace he gave to them now again this can be a remnant not the good remnant but the faithless portion of israel god judged and they are eternally lost if they did not have faith that same faith of abraham they and they die they are eternally lost others see this as i mentioned earlier as god striking the enemies of israel and hoping that it would have a righteous uh, influence upon his people but notice what it says the next thing it says is that he loathed he was repulsed with the tents of joseph and with the tribe of ephraim he did not choose now we know something when when jacob blessed the sons of joseph he chose the younger ephraim this is significant it talked about a purpose but now god the image is this that he's moving away from this here again it will be renewed but god is angry and this is why when you look at the connection between verse 66 and what's said in verse 67 it's speaking about how god saw those who were supposed to be his covenant people as enemies in my opinion for the short term but those who were lost they were eternally lost it's just that remnant that is going to carry on and that remnant is going to be brought to ultimately to the last days where they have to make a decision but once one is cut off for example we know prophetically that two-thirds of israel is going to be lost and it means just that loss and loss eternal one-third now in every generation 
every individual, Jew and Gentile, have got to decide whether they're going to act and respond to God in faith or in faithlessness. Those who are Jewish or non-Jewish makes no difference if you respond with faithlessness. You are eternally lost. Verse 68. And, notice what it says, and he chose the tribe of Judah. Now, this is a kingdom connection. He's speaking here about Ephraim. He spoke earlier about Joseph. Joseph was a special son. God used Joseph mightily, but if we don't continue in that faith, in the next generations, that, that, that favoritism that jo- Joseph received isn't going to save, isn't going to bless, isn't going to assist those later generations. Each one has to make the right decision. So here in verse 68, we see a change. It says, And he chose the tribe of Judah and Mount Zion, which he loved. Now, what's he speaking about? The solution for the judgment, the wrath, the punishment of God. The solution for being eternally lost. It comes from the tribe of Judah and it's going to be worked out where as he says in mount zion which he loves verse 69 he built up like the the high places now here we're talking about those who are exalted so maybe it's better to use the term the exalted places what did he build up He built up his sanctuary in the exalted places. And he he founded or established the land, meaning the land of Israel, forever. He chose, verse 70, David, his servant. And most would tell you when David is mentioned in this context, we're talking about, about Messiah. Now, David personifies so in verse 70 it personifies messiah with the life of king david and notice what it says he chose david his servant he took him from where from the sheepfolds david had a very simple life simple in the sense no glory he was simply a shepherd which was not revered in those days he was the youngest son the eighth son and he was sent into the fields to shepherd the sheep why a simple a non-prestigious position and notice what it says and from after the young sheep this is a word for young female sheep use so from these young female sheep it says he was taken and he was taken to do something and now there's a messianic aspect to shepherd his people in jacob meaning to shepherd the people jacob why jacob mentioned jacob is this one who was pursuing the promises of god and in israel his inheritance now david personifies that 
but it's the son of david that's going to fulfill it and this is what we're talking about now ultimately a kingdom fulfillment look again to shepherd and jacob his people and in israel his inheritance and it's messiah that shepherds them with a heart of integrity his heart of integrity and in the understandings understanding everything what did he do he led them guided them with how notice it says with his palms very important that we see some bibles do not translate this accurately it's not hands but his palms meaning this he showed how he wanted to guide them and what he was willing to do to guide them by by showing his palms I believe it's a reference to the crucifixion he showed how he wanted to be their shepherd the good shepherd by laying down his life showing his palms in order that he would die for his sheep that's the good shepherd so we see how God reveals his love but his faithfulness and part of God's faithfulness is he judges rebelliousness he punishes his sin he works against those who are faithless so let me conclude this 78th psalm with these words are you displaying a god-pleasing reverence a holy respect in other words are you living under the fear of the lord in other words are you demonstrating priority those priorities which are pleasing to god in your life that's what a true believer is called to do to live according to the priorities of god wisdom i make my priorities god's priorities whatever is important to him becomes important to me that's faith and that's the message of psalm 78. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus as you walk with him. Shalom from Israel.